And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's wild and wonderful. What's going to happen? We have no idea. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Can I get a Wowser Bowser Wednesday? Because God is in charge of this crazy bus called the Christian Journey. First, we travel back to the future where we discover that the past cannot be altered. We have thought, said, and done several things that we would prefer to be able to take back, but alas, it isn't so. Whether it's the church, a business, relationships, we must be careful not to give the past grief a present foothold. Next, there is one who does not favor us, and we are his heart. He often tries to use what was as a tool to disrupt what is or what can be. When we go backward in our hearts, we open the door for discontentedness. When we go backward, we are not going forwards, and we go backward to prior pain, we make that hurt fresh again. And then finally, here's the key. God is not boring. God is not dull. The Christian life is a journey, an adventure, a quest, an intended destination. If our journey is dull, it's because we're shutting down the new that God wants us to do. Being in Christ is exciting, especially when what's around the corner is not scary, but fun because of what? God has planned for us. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations, spiritual observations. My life's insanities, and oy vey, so much more. Hey, we're asking you, what do you think? Now you can email us. And you want to listen closely because there's only two ways to get a hold of us. You can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. david at hemustincrease.org. You can also text us, 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Now, when you text, I want you to know I'll see your text. It'll come right to my phone, right here in my house. I will be able to see what it is that you're answering or asking, whether it's a prayer request or a praise report, whether it's an answer to a trivia question, if you have a question, a comment, whatever the case may be, or if you think that I'm the pizza guy and you're trying to give me your delivery, whatever that is, you just want to reach out to 214-210-8483. As soon as things are a little more clear and we're back in the studio, you'll be able to call in live. But 
not yet. It's kind of like, remember when the Lord, you pray and the Lord goes, yes, but not yet. It's one of those kind of things. Keep in mind that this show, it's not professional radio. It's just radio. So we're open for anything as long as what we're doing is encouraging one another to draw closer to the Lord. That is our key to strengthen one another as we see the day of the return of Jesus Christ getting closer, to build up one another, to empower one another, to bless one another, because there's plenty of yuck and plenty of enemies and plenty of garbage, and every once in a while you just need a couple of pats on the back and an atter-boy, atter-girl kind of attitude. That's what you want to have. Keep in mind also this show, kind of a cross between Steve Martin, Sean Hannity, and Focus on the Family most of the time. With all of that said, don't forget prayer requests, praise reports. You can share them through the text. I will give you the next trivia question a little easier than normal. There was a group of lepers that were healed by Jesus. How many didn't return and say thank you? Oh, see, I did that backwards. Instead of how many did, how many didn't say thank you? Not, not how many did, how many didn't? You see the didn't? See? That's didn't. See, I went the other way. See? See? Okay. <laughs> I feel sorry for you guys. Anyhow, um, let's uh, get into the text. I want to talk to you about something. This is some unbelievable material, which I will not do justice to, just in case you're wondering. And then for those who are just tuning in, we're doing this from my house, and the reason is simple, and that's because, one, my leg is killing me, uh, two, I'm going to have surgery tomorrow, and we thought it best just to give me as much rest as possible. I'm going to have surgery on my leg, uh, which I already had surgery on. Guess what? Three weeks ago tomorrow was the first surgery. So, uh, But it was at 5 o'clock. This one's at 4 o'clock. So within three weeks... <laughs> two, two weeks, six days, and 23 hours, I'm having another surgery, and that's because uh, your brother in the Lord, David Spoon, has a terrible time sitting still and uh, is not a very good patient. So what I need you to do is pray for my wife, Noelle, that the Lord would not just give her wisdom and capacity and strength, but also would uh, know uh, uh, how to uh, motivate me and that I would know how to listen better. I would use two ears and one mouth instead of two mouths and one ear, which I'm kind of good at all by myself. All right, let's go into this text. I want to talk to you about this. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19 say this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Okay, before we get into the text, I just want to kind of review that last portion of the scripture. The Lord says he is making a way in the wilderness and streams in a wasteland. That means that he's bringing waters, pathways of waters, in the middle of deserts. 
what that does is it brings life, it brings vitality, it brings the ability. It's a, basically it's the resource of life is a great way to think of it. And God will bring that in the desert parts. And in your life, there are deserts. There are certain areas where it's dry and dusty and you're not making progress and it just seems like it's nothing but a wilderness. And I want you to know that the miraculous power of God, he who spoke the universe into existence, can speak into your situation and bring water streams, rivers of water flowing through wastelands so that it's not so dry and dusty, but it begins to produce life. That's a pretty cool thing. Now, go back to the scripture. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. There's nothing wrong with looking back at the past and recognizing where God has done great things that he has strengthened you in, that he has been faithful in. In fact, as we read scripture, we understand that's a big part of of the Psalms is a review of the faithfulness of God and the diligence of God to get the psalmist through, to get Israel through, to get the people of God through. We get to see that all the time. But there is a danger... Danger, Will Robinson. There is a danger in dwelling in the past on things that have nothing but pain and hurt all around them. The scripture says, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. That, those are things in the past that rob you. Things in the past that hurt you. Things done to you and things you have done. And by dwelling on those things, they re-wound or they make fresh an old wound that should be a scar. They peel off the scar and make it bleed afresh and make it hurt all over again. Now, this can be in businesses. I've been involved in a lot of businesses. Some of them were good. The bad ones I try to forget about. (laughs) There have been relationships, very same thing. Churches, very same thing. Here's what Paul said in Philippians. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward towards what is ahead. It wasn't that Paul, he was talking in the context of salvation, but what he was talking about was not hanging on to the things that kept bringing him back and kept bringing him down, but seizing the things that he knew that he knew were in front of him in order so that he can keep going forward in the kingdom of God, that he could keep moving in the direction to honor God, to draw closer to God. So he even says, he says, I don't consider myself to have taken hold. I'm not there yet. But one thing I'm going to do is let go of what was and push towards what's going to be. And that is what we have to do. You get that? Isn't that cool? It's great. It's like God's great way of saying, cool, do it this way. 
make it fresh. Okay, how many lepers did not return to see Jesus? And that number would be nine. There was, in fact, a total of ten. Only one came back and said, thank you. By the way, Jesus only referenced one of them as being saved. Not healed, but saved. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience? Imagine yourself on a rocket ship racing at a thousand miles an hour into space. Once there, you can sense the power and the presence of the majestic and the divine. You forget about your troubles and your fears, and you just float in peace without a worry in the world. There are no struggles, no pain, no discomfort. It's soothing, calm, comfortable. But then, the show starts. And you realize that none of that stuff has anything to do with the show. What were you thinking? The David Spoon Experience. Only for the brave of heart and the bored. As promised, we are going to now uh, have our interview with the Apostle Peter. We were fortunate uh, enough to have an interview uh, a couple weeks back with an angel from heaven, and now we've been given permission from the powers on high to go ahead and have an interview with the Apostle Peter. Peter, thank you so much for uh, taking the time for whatever's going on there in the heavenly realms and uh, talking to us. Well, Dave, you're welcome. I'm real glad to see that people are carrying on the work of loving our Lord Jesus Christ and advancing the kingdom. And I'm very, very, very pleased to see that the radio station is moving forward in advancing the Lord Jesus Christ in his lordship, both in uh, personal lives and in corporate lives. It's a great thing for me to see. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, that's great. And uh, so I guess I want to ask you some basic questions. I'm really breaking this uh, interview down into two separate sections. The first section is kind of before the resurrection, and the second section is kind of after the resurrection, after the ascension. Okay, Dave, that'll be fine. I know exactly what you're trying to accomplish here. Uh, probably unknown to you is that uh, we know exactly where this is going. Well, Peter, I don't want to say that that's kind of scary, but okay. Here's uh, my first question to you, sir. Uh, what are you absolutely the most proud of as a disciple and as an apostle of Jesus Christ? Well, David, that's a great question. The thing that I am absolutely the most proud of was the moment that Jesus asked all of us to identify who he really was. And it was at that moment that I was able to say that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the actual rock that the church has been built on. I think some people thought that the rock might have been me myself, but it was my confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It is that statement of faith that the church has been built upon and that the gates of hell have never nor will ever prevail against. The David Spoon Experience. And if you can't shout sight, you'll have to face a penalty as with Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Don't forget that's KAAMEN 770. Here is a very unique trivia question. Boy, I hope you guys are ready for this. Don't get upset about it. It's kind of a classic. 
what one or two books in the Old Testament, what one or two books are most connected or similar to the book of Revelation in the New Testament? What two books in the Old Testament are connected to the book of Revelation? Not Psalms, which has more prophecies, but what book... And you could, I mean, the reason I'm saying two is because there could be, uh, Joanne and Cordelia got it right away. There could be uh, two of them, but what one or two books? And let's see what everybody comes up with, and then we'll debate it some other time because we really don't have time to debate it on this. Okay. Just letting you know ahead of time. Okay? All right, fine. Okay, I got a couple of uh, jokes that I think are worthwhile to bring in to your attention. Uh, okay, these are not the funniest jokes, and all I'm going to be able to see is Chris uh, IMing whether it's good or bad. So he's going to just tell me whether it's good, bad, or, or indifferent. Here we go. Uh, here's this one. A girl was sitting in church when suddenly she felt her stomach rumble. She told her mummy that she was going to throw up and needed somewhere to go. That's disgusting. Her mother told her to go outside behind the bush. When the girl returned, her mother looked surprised at how quickly she had uh, gone and come back and made it back in time. And so she said, how is it that you got back so quickly? And the girl said, I didn't need to go outside. I saw a box that was labeled for the sick. (laughs) Okay, that's a little gross. Okay, it's a little... Okay, fine. Here's another one. <laughs> How does a dead... <laughs> I'm getting a lot of negative response to that. How does a dead cowboy get to church? Ready? By hearse. By hearse. By, by hearse. Okay. 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 <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay, fine. All right. Uh, I never do uh, bar jokes, but in this case, I'll make an exception because everything else is failing. What did the barman say when he saw a priest, a rabbi, and a minister walk into the bar? He said, is this some sort of joke? Okay. (laughs) All All right. You know what's amazing about this trivia question? is there's probably five books that you could probably go with that are connected, but one book is almost in everybody's answer. I find that to be amazing. Uh, But we're looking for the books that are most uh, connected to Revelation. I'm going to give a lot of space in here because this is not a technical question. It's kind of a off the top, you're at your Bible study kind of question uh, where people are just having fun. So nobody needs to get overly technical on it. Everybody relax. You know, just take a deep breath. You're fine. All right, let me get into this next portion. This is really um, an important element, and that is this. And I want to make sure you understand it because it's a tactic that the enemy uses. The enemy likes to use the enemy. That is Satan. That is the devil. That is the evil one. There's a multitude of names for him. When you said yes to Jesus, when you surrendered and said yes, yes, and then all of a sudden you became alive to spiritual insights, to spiritual things. All of a sudden you could read your Bible and you're like going, wow, it makes sense. I get it. I I understand it. It's powerful. As soon as that took place and you were born again, Satan became your sworn enemy. 
And his goal, we've talked about it before, is to do whatever he can to take away from glory that goes to God, to immobilize the Christian, to stop any kind of advancement. He's not going to win, but he's going to try and throw as many wrenches into the system as he can, try to create as much havoc as he can before his time is gone. He likes often to use our past pain against us to keep us on the sideline. See, the past has many interesting things. It has our pain. It has our victories. It has testimonies from God. It has testimonies to our failure. It has all of that. And what's important is that the enemy cherry-picks our past just for the things that will bring us down or bring us backwards. So for those that are not familiar with this passage in Scripture, I want to read you this passage in Acts chapter 7, verse 39, when Stephen was giving his testimony, when he was speaking to them, uh, to the, the Jewish people at hand, and he was testifying for Christ. He said this in Acts chapter 7, verse 39, But our ancestors refused to obey God. Instead, they rejected him, and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. That is a critical statement to understand. Because when you have a discontentment or a hurt and you turn your heart backwards, you are rejecting God and you're turning back towards slavery and you're turning yourself back towards your pain. And when that takes place, right, there's no active faith, there's no way to honor God, and we all too often live in that backward capacity or that past capacity. That is not very Einsteinic of us to do that. It is very difficult to go forward looking backwards. I've encouraged people to do this, although don't actually do this if you're driving or if you're walking by a serious road, but if you just consider a fast or busy road, if you tried to walk forwards while looking backwards during traffic, you would recognize how easy it is for you to get hurt. Well, how do you walk forward in your Christian walk looking backwards and not get hit and not get hurt? We don't have to go very far to figure out what story shines above the rest. It has to do with Sodom and Gomorrah and a certain person, namely Lot's wife, who was told, don't look back in that direction, just go forward. And she, what? Looked back, right? And she became a pillar of salt. And people think, oh, that didn't happen. Well, not only did it happen, but it is one of the great lessons. And people say, well, you know, you know, what about Jesus? Did Jesus ever say anything? You know what Jesus said? Remember Lot's wife. That's what Jesus said. Remember Lot's wife. And you think, well, why would Jesus say, remember Lot's wife? Because her mistake was looking back when God was trying to move them forward, looking back towards a city of sin, a life of sin, a life of judgment from God, and God is trying to deliver them. He's bringing them into new territory. He's got angelic beings that are guiding them. There's supernatural activity for their protection, and yet 
she in her heart and then in her mind and in her actions she turns back and says if only and by looking back and thinking if only god judged her you think well, that's that's pretty harsh dave yep i i think it i do think it's harsh and and I, if i was lot's wife I would have been bummed if I, you know, if if that would have happened. But it's what happened. God is just. I might think it's harsh, but God might be right next to Lot going, got to go forward, dude, or you're not going to make it. You're going to die if you don't. And that, in that space, it's not harsh. It's grace and it's mercy. See, from our perspective, it looks hard and mean. But from God's perspective, it could be the very thing that he needed to do to, to save those, to save Lot, to save his family, whatever the case may be. And I want to share something with you. I've got to be really careful. But you know how I'm a dumb person who's going through a second surgery? Well, yesterday, Noel and I were talking about bits and pieces of it, and there might have been something that has come up that underneath it speaks of purpose. Now, in my heart and in my mind, I would I would love to argue <laughs> with God, just to let you know, saying, bad, bad, this is a bad plan, I don't like it, <laughs> right? And, boy, that's super harsh, and, oh, my goodness, another... But yet... There might be something underneath that the Lord is using, and I would say probably that the Lord is using, that even though I would perceive it's harsh, God is actually extending grace in a way we do not understand. And that's what God's trying to do for you and me by saying, stop looking backward, keep going. I've got a plan for you. I've got something for you, not just to do, but to be in- engaged with. And I want you to be—I uh, want you to be uh, blessed in this process. One of our uh, great callers, Roger, again says that the enemy uses distractions exactly, and he distracts you by having you look at the past and just get caught up in it. And it's like, dude, and do debts. I've used that phrase before, so don't be too surprised. Dude and do debts. This one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Don't get caught up in a past that is set to wound you. Bad idea, right? All right. All right, now I have to answer trivia before Chris types in trivia. Say, I got you on that one, Chris. Ha, ha, ha. All right. So on this question, <laughs> on this question that was basically what book is closely associated or most closely associated to the book of Revelation, and I will tell you right now that these are the answers that came in. This is how I'm going to do this one. These are the answers. Daniel, Ezekiel and Daniel, Daniel and Zechariah, Isaiah and Daniel, uh, and then Steve also pointed out the book of Enoch if you're going outside the Bible. I would say Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, any of those would be spot on. That would be my response. Okay? All right. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Taking a short break, then we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience, you say? I'll put it to you like this. Do you love a good joke that's pretty bad? What do you call an animal that doesn't practice what it preaches? A 
hippocritopotamus. <laughs> Come on. Do you love being able to ask questions, comments, or having someone to pray for you? If you have an opinion, a comment, a thought, or a question, we don't want it to die of loneliness. We want it to have a chance. And last but not least, do you love some trivia? All right, we got our trivia question. Uh, who made clothes out of leaves that were sewed together? Somebody want to answer the trivia question? Oh, okay, hold on. Hold on. Here you go. This is David. Who am I talking to? We're talking to Mary. This is Al. This is Brother Ace. This is Eric. This is Deborah. Now, if that doesn't make you curious, maybe you should tune in and check it out for yourself. Think of me as the big brother that won't go away. <laughs> That's me. Tune in to the David Spoon Experience weekdays at 1.30 p.m. on 770 KAAM. What is the David Spoon Experience? Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey, jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey, la 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 oh, that is la 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 You asked for zany, my friend. Uh, welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. So we, being not completely unlike you know, Christmas vacation in Chevy Chase and so on and so forth. We we got a really big tree, slapped it up on the car. Of course, it scratched the car to no end. Remember, I'm Jewish and I'm trying to follow the Christmas holiday. It's got nothing to do with my Christianity. I like Christmas. I like the season and so on and so forth. I have no problem celebrating any specific time, picking a time. And we're as close as we can be celebrating the birth of Christ. It's awesome. It's a great time of year. But you're talking about me fighting a tree, and I'm fighting the tree, and I'm fighting the tree, and I hack off a few branches. And unfortunately, what I hacked off with the with the axe wasn't enough, because I was right there again, holding the Christmas tree with my feet on the door, trying to pull it in. Hey, you know what? The Christmas tree was not coming in. So you know what I did? I hacked off a few more pieces. But then, instead of just trying to pull the tree in, I hacked off a few more pieces. By this point, I have decided that Christmas is a pagan holiday that only people who are supporting Christmas presents have created, and Jewish people who believe in Jesus should not be celebrating Christmas, and I'm crashing the tree, and I've got the act up, and I'm crushing it, and I'm going to get this tree in, and you would not believe it, but after doing that for 15 minutes, I still could not get the tree in the house. David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Don't forget that uh, KAAM is also KAAMAN 770. It's pretty good. I don't even have a sign to do that. I can just do that by what's in our studio. Uh, here's our next trivia question. A little easier for most people, I think. The last one was just kind of fun to get people thinking in different directions. This one, at the end of Acts chapter 1, how many people were gathered together in the room? They'll give you a number. What is the number of people that were all gathered together? If you think you know, you can text in 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Wait, what was that, Dave? 
why that's 214-210-8483. Or you can email in david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. It's right here. I'm also going to encourage you to check out the website simply because we have eight days until the bill is due and we'd like to be able to pay it. Please check out hemustincrease.org. Website, he must increase.org, he must increase.org. Email David at he must increase.org. Facebook, he must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. All right, excellent, excellent. People are answering, doing a great job. How many people? Now, look at the end of the book of Acts. That'll really tell you. You know, you want to kind of read that. I don't know if it's at the end or I think it's like the last third. It uh, might be a great way to do that, so check that out. In the meantime, we do have, you know, we try to keep a little bit of consistency, so we do have our history, so let's go ahead and play our history sound, and then we'll do that. Let's go So there's a couple things that are pretty good in this one. Some are okay. Some are, you know, really good. Uh, I will say uh, it's National Suspenders Day. Okay, National Suspenders Day. I, I don't think I've ever worn suspenders. I do know people that wear them. Uh, they became fashionable for a while, but uh, I think that's what it is. It's Office Chocolate Day, which means that if you're in an office, you were supposed to bring chocolate. Okay, and I'm here in my office, and I don't see any chocolate. I'm going to talk to my wife about that. Uh, it's also National Chicken and Waffles Day, and that works for me. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm okay with that all day long. Uh, a couple other things to tell you. In 1973 on this day, the first episode of The Six Million Dollar Man aired on television. If you're all trying to figure out where some of that slow-mo in all these movies, like The Matrix and, you know, Shrek and all that stuff, it all came from Steve Austin. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. And then the uh, very last thing to tell you, on this day in 1922, the first life that was saved by a parachute happened today when an airplane's wing torn apart and there was an air shoot and a uh, parachute and the guy, Lieutenant Harold R. Harris, jumped with the chute uh, after he free fell for about 2,000 feet and lived. So, wowzer. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. All right. All right, so we got the trivia question. Check out the book of Acts for those that are not sure about it. You know, how many people were left in that room? And uh, let's see. We want to go into our next segment, so I just want to talk about that. Here's something that's important that I want you to understand. If you've been around church or churches or Christian people, you've noticed that there are a couple of interesting things that go with that. Uh, A lot of people will call it, Christianese, or they will call it churchianity versus Christianity. That's basically when the rules, the traditions, the way that we do things as a society become more important than the Word of God, and then custom becomes greater than command. And whenever custom is greater than command, there is a loss of truth, but there's a buildup of culture, okay? I want to make sure you and I understand this, and we stay in this. This is a great truth, and that is this one thing, and I'm going to say it nice and then say it mean on purpose. God is not dull. 
God is not dull. God is fresh and exciting, and if your Christian walk is dull, it's your fault, not God's. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. There is every, every New Testament Greek translation of Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 helps us understand that that tense, I am making everything new, means that God is consistently making things new in our lives, in, in and around us, for different purposes and reasons that are beyond our scope. One thing is for sure, God is way beyond the concept of dull or boring. He is as fresh as every sunrise. He is as fresh as every new wave could ever be. And this thing that we're on, it's a journey. This, this, it's a walk. It's a voyage. It's an adventure. It's all of that. I actually heard a really good preacher, and he said, I'm not going to say it's an adventure because that implies that there's different things and exciting things that we don't know is going to happen. And it's like, that's exactly what the walk is. It all has a purposeful destination, but it is exciting if it is truly in God. Now, why did I say that? That was kind of a weird thing to say. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I know some people are going to have a hard time with this, and I love you. It has nothing to do with you having to agree with me. I'm just pointing this passage out. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. What that means is if we are walking in Christ... Here's the big problem that people miss. We have the mind of Christ, but there are many times throughout the day and throughout the week and throughout our journey, while though we have the mind of Christ, we don't use it. What that means is that we can be in Christ if we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if we are mindful, if we set our hearts and minds towards the kingdom of God and not away from it or not on things of the flesh, when you and I are in the process of any form of sin, I can promise you that is not walking in Christ. And the passage in its own wonderfulness says, if anyone is in Christ, which means that sometimes people are and sometimes people are not, and I think that's the biggest difference between the old man and the new man. From a positional point of view, the old man is crucified. From a practical point of view, he's still being eradicated victory by victory as we grow over sin. But if your Christian walk is dull, it's because you're operating in the old man and not the new man. Because God never is never dull. He's never boring. That's the most ironic thing about people saying, well, you know, the Lord gives us all these commandments so we won't have fun. So you won't have fun. He gives you those commandments so you won't hurt, so you won't be in pain. 
If you remember that story, again, I will never say the person's name, but they came and talked to me about an adulterous relationship they had, and he told me. It was a mind-blower for me. He said, those commandments aren't there so God can take away the fun. He puts these commandments in, don't commit adultery, because of how much pain we're going to encounter if we don't listen. It's like, that is a person who grasped the purposes of God. And, as, and even though sin ran rampant, you know, so did repentance, so did confession, and so did restoration. The idea behind this is to understand that your Christian walk cannot be truly in the Spirit by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, ordained on high from our Heavenly Father, and be dull. I just, just want to throw this in your direction. You know, you're going to judge angels, right? You're going to judge, I mean, angels. Don't you find that fascinating? <laughs> like, really? We're going to judge angels? I think what we do is we, we have too much custom, too much tradition, too much uh, uh, starch, too much of the chosen frozen, as opposed to having the outpouring of the Spirit and the freshness and the newness that comes from engaging with the Lord. I have never in my Christian walk been in the presence of God and been bored, ever. And that speaks volumes. And I doubt that you have ever actually been in the presence of God. I didn't say you haven't been to church and you haven't been bored, or you haven't been doing something that is part of your process or your, or, or your uh, you know, outlines in life. I didn't say that that wasn't boring. But I am saying that you have never been in the actual presence of Almighty God and been bored. Because God is not boring. Get that? Isn't that cool? Oh, I love stuff like that. All right. Uh, how many people were left in that room uh, uh, towards the end of the book of Acts? The number would be 120. There were 120 people left in the room. That wasn't how many people remained or believed, so to speak. That was just how many people were in Jerusalem before the Holy Spirit was poured out in one group of gathering with the apostles. Okay? All right. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. All of mankind destroying everyone and everything we find. This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at year-end indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax-deductible. 
Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can, right here on KAAM. What is the David Spoon experience? Before we pray and before we get going, it's important for you to understand kind of where I'm coming from. A lot of you who, uh, those of you that were in the first service are going, oh no, here comes that joke again. Uh, Wrong, it's a different joke, so we'll go with that. Let's understand that being born and raised Jewish and becoming a Christian is very simply understood for all of you. That means two Jews, three opinions. If you can't figure that out, you're going to have a tough time the rest of this time. So let's talk about what that perspective is and what I learned growing up. There was a lady and she was on a bus. And she was sitting next to a guy. And she turns over to the guy and she taps him and she goes, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, mister, mister, are you Jewish? And he goes, no, no, I'm not. She goes, okay, thanks. Going further down, she taps him again. She goes, excuse me, excuse me, mister. She goes, are you Jewish? He goes, no, I'm not Jewish, but thank you for asking. I appreciate that. They go a little further down, and she taps him again. She goes, excuse me one more time, mister. Are you sure you're not Jewish? He goes, no, I am not Jewish. I am not. She goes, okay, right, fine. A little further down, she taps him again. She goes, are you really sure you're not Jewish? He goes, fine, fine, I'm Jewish. She goes, funny, you don't look Jewish. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAMEN 770 here as the truth station in Texas. Here's your next trivia question. Little tougher, little tougher, okay? In the Old Testament, what books, there's five of them, what books are considered poetry books. What books in the Old Testament are considered poetry books? Not, uh, oh, it's absolutely, just which ones are considered that, that's number one. So if you think you know the answer, you can reach out to us. The text is 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. Which books are considered in the Old Testament poetry there is five of them, just to let you know. You can't call in. You have to text in. And the reason you can't call in is because I can only take text because I'm here at the house. So then you got to text in. It's the only way we can do it. That's number one. Number two, after the show is over, I will be texting people after the show is over. can't say that any clearer. I will text people who have been texting me. I just can't do it all at the same time right now. And then finally, number three, on Monday, I believe, Monday, Monday, on Monday, I believe the new release of the book, the new book will be out. 
Um, the revisions have been already lifted and put into the production process, so I am hopeful that they will be uh, published by Friday evening, which kind of means Monday, and I will keep you guys updated, and I'll also keep you updated on the website, uh, just to let you know. It's the second book, so I released one. Now I'm releasing another. excited about it. This one, I think, is... Uh, uh, wonderful Aunt Deb asked me yesterday like what the book was about and a great way to think of the book that I just wrote was it's uh, designed to help growing Christians continue to grow that, that's what I would say that's how I would say it alright, uh, trivia question which five books in the Old Testament are considered poetry books we will answer that towards the end in the meantime, I think we're doing pretty good. Chris, let me know how it sounds, making sure that we're good. And then we're going to get into the very last section. Uh, bottom line to this is we were supposed to forget the former things. We've already talked about that. God is doing a new thing. So, okay, that's totally cool. Now I want to talk to you about this other element, and that is he is making a way for you and I, even if we don't see the way. And you're thinking, wait, what? What? What does that mean? What do you mean? What do you mean, Dave? Listen, God is making a way for us even though we don't see what that way is. You know where you get that from? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Do you think it was God who was like, you know, I really can't work in the dark. I need light. Or do you think that light was for our sake? Do you think that he made a pathway for our sake? Here's the key to understanding in the beginning. In the beginning, God. God is making a way for you and I. God is our resource. Yes, we should do our best to work hard. Yes, we should do our best, pray that it's blessed, and let Jesus take care of the rest. But at the core of our existence, it is God that blazes a trail for you and I to walk down. It is God who creates a planet for people to live on. It is God that has created a purposeful destination that has purpose and his desires built into it. It is God who made a place for mankind by making mankind. Now, we don't know what the future holds. Believe it or not, you're not the genius that you want to be. I'm not the genius that I want to be. None of us are geniuses when it comes to 30 seconds from now. But God is a genius because he's an interlinear being, lives in all time frames, lives in all universes and multiverses, and he holds the future in the palm of his hand. So just making it super easy, you don't know what's around the corner, but you can be close to him who does. And so while we're facing the future, while we're recognizing God is doing a new thing, while we're told to forget the former things, while he's blazing a trail for us, while we have corners that we have to face, there is no corner for God, so to speak. 
because he already knows. When we talk about corners, we're like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's around the corner. But God knows what's around the corner. And the way that we're supposed to do this, without being super theological, is we're supposed to have faith, and we're supposed to have a lack of fear. Isn't that funny? They're just the, the same thing going in the opposite direction. We're supposed to have faith that what's around the corner is not just in the palm of his hand, but is good. And we're supposed to not be afraid that it will be bad. We're supposed to walk forward in life knowing that God has blazed a trail, knowing that he's for us, knowing that he loves us, knowing that he's on our side, knowing that he's prepared things for us in advance, knowing that he's prepared things before we were even born, let alone even in the beginning when we were created. God has chosen certain things before the foundation of the earth, and he has a plan and a path and a purpose for you. And for me, on things we don't understand, and instead of facing them with fear, he tells us to face them with faith. It's an amazing thing that Jesus said, have faith, live one day at a time, and don't be afraid. It's almost as though you pull from the teachings of Jesus this idea that we're supposed to, hmm, what am I looking for? Trust God. You know, trust God with all your heart. You know, you know, trust in the Lord completely. Trust because he has your back. He's got you covered. He's got the pathway known. He's going to protect you. He's going to guide you. He's with you. He's for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not on your own understanding. Well, why can't I lean on my understanding? Because if I lean on my understanding, I won't operate in trust for God. Because the way that I look at things has a lot of doubt, has a lot of fear, has a lot of breakup in it. But if I look at them through God's perspective and trust in him with all my heart, I don't have to lean on my own understanding, and I don't have to be afraid, and I don't have to be uh, operating in doubt, and I can stand forward trusting that what the path is is a blessing and a fountain of grace from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I was like, I want that. I want that. I want that for dinner. That's what I want. Because we have to make this decision to move forward in God and everything, and part of that decision, watch this, is letting go of the things that we keep holding on to that are pulling us down. And some of us are like, no, no, Dave, but there's like an old pair of shoes. I don't want to get rid of them. It's like, well, that's great, but God has a new pair of shoes. And if you read the scriptures, you find out God's shoes don't wear out even after 40 years in the desert. Let's get one of his shoes. Because our shoes have a bunch of holes in them. Get it? So the idea in this is to understand that God is, you know, encouraging us to forget the former things so that we can get, get absorbed by them, recognize that he's doing a new thing, which is super-duper fantastic, right? He is making a way for us to walk in and telling us how 
to face the future. You put all that stuff together, and you know what it all says when you put it all together in a, in a, in a, in a glass? It says God loves you, walks with you, wants you to walk with him, and he will get you through it. It's like, cool. I need that. It's kind of like a milkshake, only it's a, an anointed shake. So I guess in, in many ways, it's a faith shake. Next time you have a shake, think faith, faith. And, and then you find out after you eat the shake, it's good. It tastes good. Because that's how faith operates. Does that mean you won't have any trials? Nah, ask me tomorrow at 4.01 <laughs> when they knock me out <laughs> and cut open my leg. Ask me if you have no trials. Of course you have trials. But you know what you have past trials? Victories. Prevailing. Getting through. You have that, too, and that's important. So you might have things you might have to overcome, but the good news is that through God you are able to. But it's a lot harder to do when you hold on to things that tear away at your heart and mind. Yeah? I mean, that's just true, right? Okay. All right, uh, final trivia. What are the poetry books? They would be Job... Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, those five books are considered the poetry section of the Old Testament. Don't forget to check out the website to stay updated with what's going on with me. And for the texters, I will text you after everything's put away in about 10 minutes. You've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 22-and-a-half-hour break. Then we'll come back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.